absolutely every time. I just cannot. Ooh, I cannot. Barbara. Barbara. I like that. I like that. She's a barb. She's a barb. What's up, barb? How you doing, barb? How you doing, barb? <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody else out there, any any listeners, who do you, what do you call the Zoom ladies recording voice? Because Mary and I have recently started recording on Zoom instead of in person because of COVID. And, you know, it's been weird. It's been a weird transition. We appreciate you being all kinds of patient with us while we figure it out. Well, and at least on our end, it's been pretty smooth. So hopefully on, on yeah. your guys' end, it's just as just as good. But if it's not, yeah. no. I do miss being physically close to Mary. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Who wouldn't want to be physically close to this? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there is a magnetism to you. It's true. It's very true. Oh, gross. And you don't, you don't, <laughs> I don't, I feel like neither of us have the same gravitas when we're in just like a tiny little zoom corner, but I'm getting, I, I've, I'm very used to zoom at this point after working and yeah, schooling and stuff via zoom. So, you know, uh, yay. Yeah zoom a lot for work so yeah um, we we I actually know. use microsoft teams at work which is a thousand percent worse but that's we used both so it yeah. depends on what the patient wanted anyway yeah uh so i have a question for you hit me up so valentine's day is coming up Can yes believe i in- think it will have passed by the time that oh, it comes. That's fair. but it's relevant to us so i'm gonna talk about it that's uh, fair <laughs> but we're recording a little bit in, in advance you guys so we don't have any interruptions down the line and it's good you're happy with us for that yeah. i promise uh so it's coming up like it's close to when we're recording this and so yes. robbie and i do not celebrate valentine's day or i no. i'm not going to give you crap if you do like if that's your thing that's your thing i just have my own hot takes on it and so i just it's it's (laughs) i want to know those hot takes (laughs) i really do robbie and i celebrate but uh is is that something that you acknowledge no (laughs) i honestly (laughs) until you mentioned it when we were like talking about like when we were gonna record and when episodes were going to come out and all of that I didn't even think about it honestly it did not hit my mind I went grocery shopping the other day for like five freaking hours um because I I did that thing you know where you're like I don't need to go grocery shopping I can just get Grubhub or I can just make this thing stretch I am account real real bad yeah but I feel like the, the holidays were stressful enough and I had some things going on. I moved. I did like, I had some family whatnots. I think I had like a little bit of like a little, I had life, I had life and work was really busy. So I didn't want to go grocery shopping. And then I was like, okay, I cannot have the same soup again. I will die. I I literally made split pea soup for like, I love split pea soup. I love split pea soup too, but when you eat it for like eight days in a row, it gets really old. Yeah. But I also made bread to go with it. That's fair. So it was really good. But I went, I went grocery shopping the other day for the first time since like the holidays 
and uh, with the mentality of I'm not doing this again until June, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I stopped up quite a bit. And so I was out shopping for a long time and the amount of Valentine's stuff I saw was just absurd. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. I, but it's, it's cute though, because you've met my mother-in-law, I think. She I is, I haven't met her in oh, person. Okay. I have interacted with her on social media and I also um in that I've seen her like our posts because <laughs> she's super cute and I've also heard many stories about her and I cherish oh, her so much and I hope she so knows precious. I love her yeah I think everybody loves her who yeah. doesn't she's Mrs. Bates anyway yes um Does she, is she really big into the into the Valentine's Day thing so it's cute because you know she obviously has kids so she Robbie and and Robbie's sister and then Robbie's sister has kids and so mm -hmm. um it's so cute because she'll get Valentine's Day stuff for the boys and she'll get something for Tracy and then she'll usually bring like Papa Murphy's makes those heart pepperoni pizzas and so yes. she'll drop off like a pizza for Robbie and I and so that's, that's the only thing like Valentine's Eve that I look forward to because like she usually will just get us something kind of small and sweet yeah I feel like Valentine's Day is there are times in my life where it, when it has been important like when I was a teenager there was nothing I wanted more than for somebody to like have a secret Valentine's <laughs> gift to give me or something you know mm -hmm. but um no the last valentine i got was from an ex that was like Bleh. uh and i'm not maybe maybe let's not include the bleh but <laughs> the last valentine i got was from an ex and it was very low-key and it was it still felt more like more than it needed to be you know mm. and it was I mean, it was like literally chocolates and flowers. And I was like, I don't need listen, this. Listen, girls don't want flowers. They want chicken nuggets. And world domination. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, and I cannot stress this enough. Like you are an exception to this. And there are a couple of people, my brother is an exception to this. And recently my mom has become an exception to this. Whenever there is a gift giving holiday, nobody ever gets me a fucking book and that's all I want <laughs> like I don't you've gotten me books and I love that for you oh, I love okay. you for that I was like searching <laughs> my brain I was like if I what if I give you you've given me you gave me actually the book that we're talking about today uh for my oh, birthday yeah, I did yeah, you <gasps> did and the last book we talked about a wizard's guide to defensive baking um you've also given you've given me other ones I think in the past but yeah I think I I've gotten books from you um, my mom has recently started getting me books. I think specifically because Brad is like, no, seriously, seriously, give her a book. She'll do nothing but complain about it if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. I'm, that's 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 my feelings about Valentine's Day. Nobody's gotten me a book of poetry, therefore I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will keep my uh, hot takes to myself why tell me i don't think that people will be I, upset i just i don't know like there's one day where you're supposed to celebrate love and i i disagree with that i think you sell it, should celebrate it every day like you know yeah. i i don't know like i find it far more romantic if robbie was to 
you know, cook dinner for me or bring me a little present on like a random Tuesday than if he felt obligated to do it on Valentine's Day. Especially considering how like not super confident Robbie feels in the kitchen. I feel like it would be very endearing if he tried to make you food. Like, I bet that would be great. Like, yeah, well, yeah. And so I just, I don't know. I kind of, and I feel like for dudes, it's just so much pressure. Yeah, well, I, I feel like for any gender, it can be so much pressure, just depending on, like, your relationship dynamics. Yeah, um, that's true. I think that there are... I mean, yeah, that's true. I think there's just as much pressure from, like, the traditional, like, female, quote-unquote, role as yeah. there is anyone else. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's... I think that there's a weird layer of disappointment that people yeah. are, like, and told to... A, Yeah, like it's built into your mind the minute you switch over from having those boxes that every, so in the United States, I don't know if other cultures do this, in the United States, in elementary school, what is typical is that everybody will have like a shoe box that you decorate for Valentine's Day, and then everybody in the class gets everybody else in the class a themed Valentine's card. So they they sell them in boxes. Yeah, I find frozen or like looney tune themed or or if you're me spider-man yeah spider-man in elementary school there's a very egalitarian approach to valentine's day and it's like not okay to snub somebody yeah on valentine's day so then suddenly in middle school when all of the hormones are doing all of the hormone things is the minute that like the cultural tone shifts happen and it's like only giving valentines to your close friends or people that you are like romantically interested in and it gets really weird really fast and i think it's like most people i know do not like valentine's day for that same reason it's this weird expectation and then this almost guaranteed disappointment if there if that expectation hasn't been met by literally anyone even if you're not in a relationship it's weird like it's it could go on I don't want to go on no I know I have a lot of hot takes so I get (laughs) that being said it is also a good excuse to bake something yeah which is usually what I like to do uh I almost forgot welcome to how to bake a book Oh yeah, that's what this place is. And I'm cold. <laughs> We're not just sitting here complaining about holidays. Yeah. We're actually here to talk about books and baking. Yeah. And, well, cooking, general cook. I think we've evolved past just the baking aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we, it might've been like the second episode that we didn't bake something. So, uh, so this episode, we are going to cover Minor Mage. Mm-hmm. It's a novella written by T. Kingfisher. So narrated- anybody? Oh, sorry. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Narrated by Christopher Williams and was released July 10th of 2020. Okay. Uh, for my version, I have the trade paperback and it came out in uh, 2019. So it seems like it took a little time for them to get the audio book out there. Mm-hmm. Um this book is I love this book it's, it's really this is going to be a little bit of an unusual episode for us because we usually do two episodes per book and this is like a novella so it's just going to be this one um but it 
It's a lovely little book and it's written by the same person that we talked about the last two weeks, T. Kingfisher. Um, and it's delightful. It's YA, maybe middle grade, depending on... I. I feel like depending on the person, it could definitely be middle grade or it could definitely be YA. Either way, it's satisfying and a really fun read. And I I venture to say it might be set in the same universe as A Wizard's Guide. What do you think? I could see that. I actually didn't think about that until now, but I could totally see that. Yeah, the magic yeah. system doesn't it doesn't get into it too deeply in this book but there is magic it's sort of a high fantasy medieval europe style setting um and it has a minor mage as the main character his name is oliver he's young and he's 12 and he lives in a little village and he's not a very good mage so he's minor in two ways get it it's like a it's a play on words gotta love that why do you put up with me mary (laughs) (laughs) well and i love to so it's noted uh really early on that oliver's mother is a mercenary and a really good one Mm -hmm. yeah he's like he his mom is such a character in this book and she's never there pretty Mm -hmm. much which is really interesting i think it might have been two episodes ago we were talking about orphans in fantasy and how frequently they come up as yeah. like a trope and in neither of these books by T. Kingfisher have we had an orphan which is or sorry sorry we did I lied I lied but they both have family <laughs> that's I think an important step in this book we have the mom as like an important role model for Oliver, but she's gone for part of all of it. For all of it, she's, she's not, not there for all of it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, up until you know one very pivotal scene, but you know that's it. So uh, if we if we're cool about it, I'd love to talk about what I got for food for this book. Absolutely. So because we're just doing one episode, it's just little old me talking about food uh if you guys are uh willing to indulge me here there's not actually a lot of food in this book especially compared to the last one that we talked about like there really isn't there's like offhanded mentions of people eating pig chickens eggs all of these kinds of things but we have uh this book is mostly an adventure story so there's a lot of foraging going on in it and most of it's just kind of in passing so like the main character talks about finding some huckleberries there's mentions of cheese Ooh, isn't that the name of (laughs) isn't that the name of val kilmer's new memoir oh no it's i'm your huckleberry (laughs) yeah oh i didn't know that i love that movie but anyway yeah um a friend of mine just it has been listening to the audiobook and was telling me about it so yeah that's that's all beside the point though um val kilmer can really throw off a conversation can't he <laughs> <laughs> let's blame him for that foraging and there, so he oh yeah huckleberries yeah there were huckleberries and there's talk of sorrel leaves which i could have done something with but i i'm just not very excited by sorrel leaves i don't i know it's really common to use in like polish cooking but i don't care for their flavor so i didn't want to deal with that 
what is it what is the flavor like um every time i've had it they've been like jarred and there's like a kind of a it's they, they remind you they remind me a little bit of a like a spinach but like almost like a pickled like lemon limey sort of something but there's just like a little funk on the back end of it that just doesn't sit with me well all right um that's fair yeah your mileage may vary and it could be like one brand versus another but it just left a bad taste in my mouth quite literally so i didn't want to uh, re-explore sorrel leaves maybe i will at some point in the future but not today instead there's been a an ingredient that i've been really wanting to use and I've all ever since I fell in love with like fantasy settings, I've thought about like the wild foods that exist. And one of them that is sometimes mentioned is cattails. And yeah, yeah, I've always been fascinated by the fact that cattails, which are indigenous, uh, like an indigenous plant to many regions of the world, are mostly edible. Just about every part of a cattail is edible. But I will say, this has been a very hard product to get a hold of because it's not really farmed um, in the way that like most things are. And I don't have a place nearby that is uh, what I would consider a safe place to get it to eat. So like there, I know of some that grow nearby, but it's really close to a highway. So I worry about like exhaust and, like oil runoff and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so i didn't feel comfortable with that therefore i ordered um cattail roots to roast they haven't shown up yet because i'm still on a waiting list for them because there's an indigenous uh like uh, organization that gathers them and then they send them out as soon as they're ready um so i will report back as soon as i get them to roast but while waiting for that, I also got a hold of some of the cattail pollen that's out there. Um, so cattail pollen is often used in like like Chinese traditional medicine. Um, and I don't, of course, that's not, I, I'm not Chinese. And therefore, I don't have experience with that. But it did mean that it was available for me to purchase and to use. Um if anybody knows more about like its uses in Chinese medicine, that would be really interesting for us to know. And I would love yeah. to learn more about it. Email us. Whatever. Oh, it's just cattails uh, provide two forms of antiseptic. Yeah. Yeah. So I made um, cattail pollen pancakes. So that is one of the ways wow. that like a lot of people will use it. So I didn't get that much pollen. It's a very small amount. So I mixed it in with my typical pancake recipe. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to lie. Everybody thinks that their pancake recipe is b- the bomb. I would also like to throw my pancake recipe in hat into that ring because <laughs> it took me so long to figure out an actual pancake recipe that like had that fluffiness but also didn't have dairy in it. And that took me forever. But I started doing this little thing that a lot of people took me way too long to figure out will do to make effectively vegan buttermilk where you take uh, non-dairy milk. I usually use soy because I like the texture really well. When you put an acid into it, that makes it curdle a little bit and gives it that little like bite of acidity. And it works so beautifully. But then I added in, um, you know, typical ingredients, 
you've got flour, you've got your sugar, you've got your salt, you've got butter in the pan, you've got, you know, what have you. I'll put it all up for everybody to read. But then I added the pollen into it. I was really surprised by the flavor, but also the color. It looked like I had added turmeric to it. It was just this bright, brilliant yellow, and it was incredible. And it tasted nutty, I guess. There's like kind of a nutty earthiness to it. I'm really glad that I'm not allergic to it. I was worried about that, you know, because I'm allergic to so many types of pollen. I was like, well, this might just kill me. But I did a little like allergy test on my my skin and then I tasted some and I didn't die either time. So I felt good going ahead with it. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Did I just stress you out? A little bit. That's okay. We'll talk about this later. It was really interesting. Um, I think that right now it's not like um, a good time to get cattail products. But it's one that I've been really interested in trying out. I will also say when I was looking up recipes and stuff for cattails, the internet is a horrible place. <laughs> that is it. Like I ended up on a lot of like really right wing, like accidentally right wing, like prepper websites that were like, well, when the end times happen and the new world order comes around, you can forage a cattail and you can eat it this way. And that made me deeply uncomfortable. So please surf conscientiously and try and avoid all of the preppers on the internet so yeah wow if you guys couldn't tell we don't care for that on this podcast Um, (laughs) it was not a nice experience but i did find a good very like down-to-earth super chill guys blog that had a, a cattail pancake recipe that i adapted into my own stuff well, I'm excited to see it. That'll that'll yeah. be cool. You're gonna love the color. It's like I cannot just. It it is yellow. It's true yellow. It's really. I great. wonder. So I know that some that like some things will use lemongrass to dye fabric yellow in that kind mm-hmm. of. Stuff. I wonder if cattails could be used as like a natural. I wonder. Or a mat- I uh, wonder. Anyway. Yeah, no, I think, I think that that's very interesting. I know that, especially in this area in America, there is like a lot of history of indigenous Americans using cattails for various things. I wonder if dye was one of them. Hmm. Um, I know that it has been a food source for people for tens of thousands of years. And it was just really exciting for me because I... I really want to keep trying new foods. Being a vegan means that those new foods are restricted to new plant products usually. And there are like only so many different plants in the world. So being able to go, yeah, I have a new plant that I've never tried before. was really cool. So, well, I just think, I mean, like beets are used as natural food coloring, right? Oh yeah. I just wonder if that's something that could be used as like a natural food coloring. My grandma used beet sugar in a um, red velvet cake at one point, and it was oh, delicious. Yeah. I know beet sugar is really good. I don't keep, I don't even know where I would buy that, but I've tried it before. It's delicious. Yeah. 
Love a beat. You love a love beat. A beat. <laughs> the last time I used beats, my hands were like purple red for like two days. So, you know, it was, <laughs> you, you gotta love it. Got it. I should just start keeping kitchen gloves. Like, what do you mean kitchen gloves? Like, like gloves, like oh, the, oh, the oh. gloves to wear like in the kitchen. To wear in the kitchen. Oh, Mary, what is your deal? <laughs> you know, it's fine. Today was such today was such a sunny day that like it all I wanted to do was like go outside and take a nap. That you know, I feel like it's dusk now. Yeah, and that feeling doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably going to get worse before it's like truly spring, but I can kind of feel that springiness in the air where we are oh, at no. least. At so. least like, when it looks so sunny and and stuff outside and then you're like, oh my god, it looks so sunny and warm and then you open all the windows and then you're freezing. You're just like, yeah, okay, I guess it's not spring yet. <laughs> For me, it's the, oh my god, it's so sunny in springtime. I can go out and work on my garden and then I do and then my plants die because it freezes over again. So you know, I just have to be patient and be sure. <laughs> so anyway, do you want to get back to the book? A so minor mage? Minor or minor mage. mage. It's Is it so good. Or a minor mage. It's minor mage. I okay. just added the particle in there for no reason. So like Cole mentioned, Oliver is the main character in this book, and he's a 12-year-old boy. He's the only mage in a small town. Uh, There has been a pretty bad drought, and the town folk force Oliver to go on a quest to this area called the Rain Blades and bring back rain with him. Yes. His his uh, Merc mom is out of town helping, uh, I think his sister or something. Right? His older like, sister. Yeah. Yeah. So literally we, the first page we open up to, mm-hmm. Oliver is being confronted by the townsfolk. And so, you know, there's usually like a little bit more buildup to like mm-hmm. the crisis, but the crisis happens immediately. He's being kicked out of town and told to bring back rain, um, which is amazing. And his his mom, who is usually like, she's like the the muscle in town, you know, mm-hmm. isn't there to protect him for the first time ever. It's like all of those movies you see about a babysitter being alone late at night for the first time. And that's when the serial killer shows up is effectively kind of what's happening. Well, and throughout the book too, he just comments a lot about how he just wants his mom. I know. Poor I love baby. it. Poor baby. So, Oliver is uh, 12 years old. The rain blades are about six days away and so he's, he's going to go. He's going to go on this quest and he's going to take his familiar with him. And it's an armadillo. <laughs> armadillo has a name, but familiar names are really important. And uh, so they, they keep it a secret. It's almost like a key kind of to controlling the familiar in a way. Uh, so we learned that the armadillo's name is oh gosh how do you say say that egg oh Egg-la-mark. gosh Eglamark. i that's how actually i was saying it too okay, it um, could be like a soft g Eglamark or something but let's go Eglamark. okay uh but other he just goes by armadillo which yeah. i just thought was really cool the armadillo is so cheeky too i he love the armadillo mm-hmm. but 
in that first scene when Oliver is getting his stuff together to go, he was he had already kind of decided that he was gonna do it anyway and was getting himself packed. And his armadillo is like heckling him the whole time. Yeah, and I love that. Oh, I yeah. loved it too. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Oliver can do three spells, one of which <laughs> is to control his allergy to our armadillo dander. Yeah. That's spell number one. Spell number two is he can magically tie shoelaces together. Mm-hmm. And then magical spell number three is a pull me, push me spell, which we'll kind yes. of go into a little bit more later. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And then, uh, his predecessor, so the wizard that was supposed to teach him how to be a mage and all of this, by the time Oliver got to him, the mage was pretty kooky, pretty crazy, was, uh, 90 years old, very senile, kind of on his Mm -hmm. way out. Uh, and so they start their trek, they start their quest. They, so we have this we have this little mage who knows almost nothing about what he's doing, but he's also still like the only option for this village. And so he's I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a very similar theme to the last book. Of course, the actual conditions are different, but it's the you are called to task, you have to go on this task. I will say, however, there's all of these adults in the town who are like bullying him into going not a single one of them volunteered to go with him he's a 12 year old there's no way in hell i would let a 12 year old go on a six day walk without me like there's no way that's all he had i don't care if he has magic a knife and a and a armadillo listen i've twisted my ankle this week i stubbed my toe so bad that i almost cried like within the past month we are not the things that can happen to just your feet alone on the, that trek, no way <laughs> this kid is going on his own. I'm sorry. Uh, gosh, what was it? I think it was 2016. I broke my foot doing a hillbilly dance in the kitchen and I slipped and fell. And I, the only reason I was doing said hillbilly dance is because I was making fun of Robbie and then I fell and broke my foot and it was like instant karma. Did I learn anything? No. Do I still continue to make fun of Robbie? Yes. I just do it on the carpet now. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Hold on just one second. Loki, come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. You you can be here. Did you hear him? Yeah. Loki. He's very talkative. He's trying to figure out what I'm doing over here. You cannot have that. Hey, Ron. Sleeping behind the laptop. I just wanted to meow at your door super loud. Oh, he was meowing louder in here. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you, Ren. Mm -hmm. Marble was behind the laptop. Marble's laying behind the laptop. Yeah. She's like leaning against it. And then Ned is sleeping at my feet. I wish my cats behaved. (laughs) (laughs) Like Daisy was good for the most part until she was not good. (laughs) They just don't like closed doors, I think, you know? Mm Yeah, it, it makes them think of every time I've locked them in a room before taking them to the vet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anywho, like, so literally, it's 
the first like three pages he's gone he's in he's on his journey like and it's not he's not exactly sure how to get to the rain blades he knows where they are he can see them in the distance he doesn't know if this road going that direction will take him all the way there but it's nobody ever goes up this one so yeah because yeah. his mom told him a story the familiar is the son of his of okay hold on let me how do how do i frame this right forgive me if i frame this wrong so the the armadillo is the son of the armadillo familiar of the teacher yeah i put i put too many modifiers in there so the teacher the the old man yeah the predecessor also had an armadillo familiar and so off oliver's armadillo is the son of her yes and the way that like that baby armadillo decided to express that it was oliver's familiar was so funny because he walks in to go train with this old man a little bit and this little baby armadillo comes scuttling up and just pees on his shoe (laughs) and he's like oh this is my pet now i guess yep exactly it's so good so Oliver and Armadillo spend the first night outside sleeping under the stars, and Oliver is not a happy camper. No. No. Oh. Scoopity, 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 boop. Scoopity, scoopity, scoop. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please keep that in? <laughs> I guess. We like we. I don't know who froze, but one of us froze. Technical difficulties. And so Mary started to, like scatting. Yeah. <laughs> Scooby Doo Boop Bop. She's the scatman. Scooby Doo Bop. Amazing. I love you anyway. so much. You're so perfect. <laughs> oh. Okay, so. Mary, I actually had a question for you about this uh, <laughs> this scene that we're recovering from now. Um, so his first night out out with the armadillo, he's just sleeping under the stars. Like it's the it's the warm time of year. I don't know if it's summer exactly, but one gets the impression that it might be. Especially that might be compounded a bit with the drought because I always associate summer with being very dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my question for you is camping yay or nay so i actually had never gone camping until the summer of 2019 wow mm-hmm. okay. i loved it car good camping. okay i've only been car camping so okay. like i've never gone like backpacking or anything but i actually really enjoyed it and that's mm-hmm. me like yeah. i don't like dirt i don't like bugs i like to know where the bathroom is at all times and i like to know how clean said bathroom is but um no i actually i embraced it and i i was i really enjoyed it actually we went camping last summer and uh, i think we went camping for like five days amazing yeah, was it car so camping it. as well yeah and we just i mean we have a we just I mean, we have a tent, so it's just Robbie and I in our tent, but it's neat because uh, our friends got it for us for Christmas, like, a, or I think it was like a Christmas slash birthday present because mine mm-hmm. and Robbie's birthdays are so close to Christmas. Yes. Anyway, 
Um, but it's really cool because like I said, Robbie's six four, and so this tent is tall, and so we can both sleep in it, but it's tall enough that Robbie can stand in it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. You can unzip it too, so where you can see if you're laying in it, you can see like the entire sky, or you can have it enclosed but i love that yeah but i actually really enjoy camping which is shocking i love camping if you know me in at all you would be like no that girl in camping does not know <laughs> but you're I as they say an indoor cat i am a um, indoor kitty and that's fine i was actually I'm, I'm really happy to hear that though i love i love camping um i've I gone camping a lot of times in my life and I mean when I was a kid we would we would backyard camp a lot too so like my siblings and I or my friends and I would go and sleep in our backyard or what have you Um, but I also grew up on a fairly decently sized piece of property so it wasn't quite as creepy I think as it could have been on an orchard I want to camp on an orchard sounds amazing we didn't Honestly, we didn't sleep in the orchard side because there's a lot of deer poop on the ground. Oh, never um, mind. No, thanks. So we slept on the garden side. So if, like, imagine a house. It doesn't matter what it looks like. On the left side of the house was where the orchard was. On the right side of the house, we had, like, a fenced-in area that my brother and I would pretend to be, like, Power Rangers in. Um, when we were little. <laughs> and then that's also where my dad put like all of these big garden boxes. So that's usually where we'd camp out. Oh, I cool. think partly because my dad felt more comfortable with us being in the fenced area. And I can I guarantee that. that he was looking out the window the whole time, you know, but yeah, we would camp a lot like that. But then as I got older, I, I loved camping. And so have done yeah, it a million I a, times. I had a blast. I think it would be really neat to, just kind of like if the weather was nice enough and if bugs weren't a thing like I think it'd be cool just to sleep on a sleeping bag and just stare up at the sky I think it would be yeah I sleep with my mouth open so I don't know if I'm cool with that Um, but yeah oh my god I never thought of that (laughs) I'm sorry Um, Mary I can't believe I've done this oh (laughs) I'm so sorry oh okay but with that being said (laughs) My major concern was that it doesn't ever mention really him having a blanket or him having. He doesn't. He didn't pack one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh. I I think you're back. There we go. Yeah, he doesn't have a blanket with him, and it gets it gets so cold at night sometimes. Mm -hmm. Even in like a really warm day and in the middle of summer, you want a blanket with you if nothing else than to lay on. I mean, that's what's tricky about the desert, right? Is like the day is super hot, but at night you can actually get like hypothermia and stuff depending yeah. on where you are. Yeah. Well, I'm sure where you grew up, like that was often a concern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how often would you go outside in the tank top during the day, but bring a coat with you for like going home at night? A lot. Yeah. So the spring yeah. or fall for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, our poor boy Oliver is deeply uncomfortable sleeping on the side of the road and super not prepared for this trip. He does not bring enough food. He does not bring a change of a clothes. change of clothes. Yeah, nothing. It's a, like and it's a six day one way trip, I so think, it's gonna be misery. I think he says that he brought a knife 
his two spell books and food and that's it yeah but then he runs out of the food real quick real quick yeah. so another night the next the next night uh oliver is very much lamenting that he is not going to sleep on the ground again and they need to find <laughs> a farm mm-hmm. so they come across uh they come across a farm and it's the Briarleys farm <laughs> and See- they start speaking to the man there and it's noted that his skin looks really weird like he he's had like the pox or something mm-hmm. and he's also speaking very archaic using yeah. thee and thou and uh henceforth like you know just those yes. kind of words and importantly like they the, he had seen other farmsteads along the way but they all looked abandoned like they're walking up a road so ostensibly the road goes somewhere and will be like occupied along the way and there's these big swaths of field that have you know been overgrown or like Mm. now it's a drought so they're probably all scrubbed at that point but there's houses and buildings but they're all empty Mm-hmm. and nasty and falling apart and this is the first one that he sees a sign of life in yeah and the he asks the farmer if he can stay in the barn the farmer agrees but says that he has to stay for supper mm-hmm. and he agrees but he still feels a little bit weird about the farmer the farmer's wife is also really weird she it's quoted as saying she ran around like a goose I just love that. She ran around like a goose. And uh, they give him supper, but it's a really weird supper. It's almost like they weren't counting on having anybody. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like, it's like going over to a person's apartment. I don't know if anybody else has had this experience of like being in college (laughs) or or what have you going over to somebody's apartment and all they have is condiments it's just oh, like yeah they have like a piece of bread and like some and some like pepperoncinis really weird, and mustard a really weird there's like one can of a really weird flavor lacroix you know like yes pamplemousse or something pamplemousse yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> it's one you would never like actually buy on purpose mm-hmm. <laughs> Or like just, a, a diet cherry 7-Up. Like, who the fuck wants that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get you. It's just somehow managed to stay there that whole time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they serve Oliver uh, a whole onion, mm-hmm. some, some heels of bread, and moldy cheese, but no water. Nothing to drink. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and something I think they describe it as like a kind of a brownish, stringy, pickled smelling thing. It made me think of like sauerkraut, but maybe yeah. it had gone sourer than kraut, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was tempted to make this meal. I was. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I made pancakes. That's fine. We're safe. So uh, Oliver mentions that he has a familiar and both the farmer and the farmer's wife get even more weird if, if that's, or they get a little weirder if that's. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they start getting like super sketchy. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I'm sure that's my apartment. Hold on. It's a whole thing. 
And this is why I'm saving for a house. So. <laughs> so after eating his uh or tr- attempting to eat his dinner, he feels really weird and is asking and asked uh the farmer to take them to the barn. Farmer takes him to the barn but then locks him in. Yeah, and doesn't just like it's not just like a little key. He puts down the big barn like what is that called? Board or yeah, I don't know what that's called, but it's yeah, like it like it's like it's like a it, it's like a big beam, but I'm sure yeah. I, there's got to be a word for it other than that. If you guys barn beam, it's a barn beam. If you know what that is, let me know. I legitimately want to know. Uh, but puts this giant wooden beam down that you would normally use to make sure the cows don't push the door open. Mm-hmm. But he's just a little boy. Yeah, and he knows yeah. that now, like, something's really wrong. Armadillo says that the farmers are bad and smell sweet and that they are definitely not human. Um, mm. There's two pigs in, there's a sow and a boar, and uh, there's, that are in there with them, and they communicate to the armadillo somehow that uh they're frightened of those people as well and that like everybody needs to get out kind of a thing i will say i really loved how the armadillo explained to oliver what was going on because he's like no these are animals and i'm a familiar we are two different things it's not like i speak pig or that they have a language oh what did he call it pink piglish pinglish or something piglish yeah yeah (laughs) and he was like no, I can just, they just like kind of express the emotion of frightenedness at me. And I sort of interpret that. But I will also say it's very strange to me and horrible. This fire, th- this barn is a fire trap. That is what I'm going to say. There's yeah. no window in there. Usually there's one up in the hayloft or something. No, like there's, there's nothing. And I would not. How- it would not pass inspection. No, it wouldn't. But I love how T. Kingfisher writes that as soon as the barn door closes, he was slapped in the face with darkness. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. love that. I love that that the those words together just it was so like glorious. Just he was slapped in the face with darkness. Yeah. Because sometimes, because I I hate listen, people. I'm in my 30s. I'll say it. I'm afraid of the dark scary shit is in the dark and then your brain like makes you see shit that's not there oh no thank you and so like i but i can but that's he's totally right that like when you're not expecting it it just it's a slap in the face yeah Yeah. i am not afraid of the dark and i'm not going (laughs) to shame you for being afraid of the dark but even to me it's almost like a palpable thing like it's it's tangible sometimes when you're in a dark space so Oliver tries to use his push me, pull me spell. And I, I'm a little confused about that spell. So uh, forgive me. Same. Because I'm not going to do super well of explaining it. But it's almost like he pours magic into m- pushing something closer to him or pushing away from him. And he can also pu- pull something closer to him or something like that like I didn't totally understood under I didn't completely understand how it works but it's fascinating I uh, yeah no it's it's interesting but I also in the same boat 
I think it might have been left a little bit intentionally vague, vague. considering okay. considering that he uses it in a very malleable way. It might just be more like That's an idea true. of sort of what this magic does, okay. you know? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't get it. Maybe that's why we don't really get it parsed out. That's actually a very good point. And if that is the truth, I think that's really clever. Yeah. I think I I, with T. Keen Fisher, I really want to give her the benefit of the doubt because she is very clever. So that might have been on purpose. I like that. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. So like he's he is also alarmed because he realizes that the the behavior of the people just haven't been adding up and the fact that they just locked him in the barn just sends up those those red flags i feel like it wouldn't have taken that long for me or or especially for you it would have taken me longer than it would have taken you to like like, oh there's a person no (laughs) no (laughs) i'd rather sleep in the abandoned building Mm -hmm. i mean actually yeah i would (laughs) <laughs> Unless that was like an like an M, no, no, no thanks. Uh, so Oliver tries to use his push me pull me spell on the barn beam to get it to move, and unfortunately he can't. So it's too heavy. It's too it's big. Too heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, has, he like, usually he uses it on little things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's twelve. He's a baby child. So uh, there's a little bit of back and forth between the sow and the, oh, what do you, what did you call him? The boar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost like the boar is lazy and doesn't want to help, but the sow makes him. So <laughs> the two pigs end up breaking the door down and they all just make a run for it. I loved this scene, actually. I, this was really cool. This was really cool. So Oliver ends up hiding in, oh gosh, what kind of bush was it? Do you remember? I think it was like a lilac bush. Oh yeah, it was a lilac bush. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with lilac bushes, but the scent is very strong. It is. On those, yeah. So Um, he... I spent many of my um, formative years growing up uh, living in Spokane, Washington, Mm. and that is the Lilac City. So there are lilacs like everywhere there and they like you can smell them from a mile away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he ends up hiding in the lilac bush and listens to the farmer and his wife talk and uh, they are definitely not humans yes. uh, oliver realizes that they are in fact ghouls mm-hmm. he remembers like reading something about it in one of his books but mm-hmm. he's trying he's trying to remember exactly what it is but it's he's like piecing the the bits back together like oh they have enlarged red knuckles and their skin is sallow and mm-hmm. this aspect and this aspect and this aspect but the most important thing that he remembers is that ghouls eat people and so he he's going into like kind of a little bit of a panic spiral when he's hiding in this lilac bush um partly because he doesn't know where his armadillo is but also partly because he's worried that they're going to smell him and eat him and also because he's realizing that all of these abandoned uh farmsteads around there may have been because these ghouls ate everyone yeah (laughs) so there's a uh thing i highlighted that talks about ghouls so it says ghoul 
also called ghouls, drugs, and corpse eaters. These cannibalistic creatures may once have been human, but no one is quite sure how a ghoul is created. The bite of a ghoul does not seem to transmit, transmit the curse, but those who live among ghouls often become ghouls themselves, which has proved a limiting factor on research. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was cool. And then it says... The ghoul can masquerade quite convincingly as humans for short periods, but this seems to require a lot of effort, and the illusion is rarely perfect. They usually have large, red-knuckled hands, odd skin, and sometimes pointed teeth, and of course, an insatiable craving for human flesh. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, this sounds like something I want to mess with. No, it super doesn't. It super doesn't. <laughs> I just... I feel like those are those are really interesting creatures. Like the word ghoul obviously exists, um, but I think that this interpretation of what a ghoul is is really cool. And yeah. I would love to see more of them. You want to see it's, more ghouls? Yeah, I would love to see like a modern zombie movie, except ghouls, you know, something like that. Hmm. It's just me. Well, yeah, I have questions, but it's fine. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's see here. So, okay. So now Oliver's just going to hide. He's just going to stay in the lilacs until everything's good to go. The armadillo finds him there, basically tells him the coast is clear. Let's run to the ditch where there's cattails that will also mask their scent. Mm -hmm. So they book it. They book book it to the ditch as quick as as quickly as they can and uh there's a part where oliver is thinking to himself that you know he's not a real wizard that he shouldn't be having to do this and he says a real wizard wouldn't be huddled in a ditch wishing for his mother and it says in this at least oliver was dead wrong many wizards over the ages some of them very major mages indeed have found themselves curled in ditches and wishing desperately for their mothers yeah i love it <laughs> I do i really do and uh so while he is sleeping the armadillo is uh, essentially like just taking guard and he notices that the farmer runs <laughs> i wrote down uh armadillo spots the fake farmer naruto running on the main road <laughs> 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 because it's say that like the guy was running but his arms were like straight and like straight to his side and like back and so i was like oh he's naruto running yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing that the cattails did mask their scent and so yes. the, the naruto running fake farmer did not find them Mm -hmm. uh so oliver and armadillo continue to make their way to the rain rain blades and while stopped at a stream they meet another mage a minstrel mm -hmm. and uh his name it, this guy just has the worst name in history it's trebastian trebastian 
Trebastian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like Trey, but also Sebastian. It's just kind of hard to pronounce. Trebastian. Trebastian. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, uh, for a mage, um, he his, his particular power is disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Do you want to talk yeah, about it? Yeah, it is. Now? So... We've all heard the fairy tale of um, the woman who gets murdered and then she gets turned into a harp and then she sings the song about I Mary you- this. Oh my god, I'm going to send you it. Oh my okay, god. So this is a real thing? It's a fairy tale. Oh my a, god, it's, it is a fairy tale. There's uh, So this is not, not like nothing. <laughs> this, this isn't just an, like an in it thing that Tiking picture pulls out of her imagination but I think she has a very a very imaginative um interpretation of this okay so what's the fairy tale so the the part that is important is that there's a woman who was murdered and her bones and sinew and stuff gets turned into a harp and then that harp starts like singing about who murdered her and that's wow. how, you know, the bad guy goes, gets put away. So Trebastian can make that happen. When somebody is murdered, it's like almost a, like something compels him to start digging around in the body and to make a harp out of it. Mm-hmm. It's always a harp and it always, it, it goes on about how it was killed um, so that's his magic. We actually, it takes a little bit for Oliver to get that information out of him. Um, yeah. Because he's on the run from a town <laughs> that he did that in. And there were apparently a bunch of little girls that were murdered. And he, they all started fingering the mayor. And the mayor is pissed. Well, and it's so funny because it says in the last town, Sebastian. Sebastian's harp accuses a quote-unquote pillar of the community and people (laughs) were upset oh my gosh I don't know about you but when it comes to true crime Mm -hmm. it is usually the husband or it's the pillar of the community you're absolutely right (laughs) (laughs) or both it could be both. both it is I mean I you and I both consume a lot of true crime media and Mm -hmm. it's almost never the ed gains of the world it's almost never that weird loner who was obsessed with his mom it's usually the man on his second marriage who has some financial troubles that's what it is (laughs) uh and so the the mayor of this town ends up being broken out of jail and now him and these town folk are after (laughs) Sebastian. yes so he's on the run Mm -hmm. and he's he's like what 15 16 something like that i think he's 16 Mm -hmm. yeah he's a little bit older than oliver but like he's still a kid yeah but he decides to join oliver and armadillo on their quest to the rain blades Mm-hmm. On the way there, uh, through the forest, uh, Trebastian sings a song about the weird forest and and the empty farms around, and uh, like a lot of the empty structures and stuff that they've seen. I and love this song. 
I do too. I I love this song because he doesn't remember it all. Mm -hmm. And how many times have you been like, I'm trying to sing a song and I don't remember the lyrics. And so you go this lyric (laughs) and and then this lyric. (laughs) Uh, So it's, he starts with twas all late on a midsummer's day. The farmer's wife, she lost her way in the trees, in the trees, the shadows lie deep. In the trees, in the trees, where uh, something uh, sleeps, something uh, dark-haired, uh, the farmer bowed. Oh, blast it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. So basically, this song, it, it tells a story about how a farmer's wife, dressed in red, goes into the far- goes into the forest to uh, do some foraging and um, doesn't come back out. So the farmer gets upset, blames the forest and tries to set it on fire. Which is stupid. Which and is that's, stupid. that's something that they talk about how just like idiotic that plan on mm-hmm. the side of the farmer Why is. Go in and look for her. Why would you burn her down with the forest? Yes. That's what, that's what Trip Astrid points out. He's yeah, like, right. he specifically <laughs> says that or something to that effect you know she's in there she'll burn too so so the forest burns for seven days and seven nights the smoke poisoned the ground so nothing can grow so it's bad ground the forest ended up surviving uh and the farmer's wife ghost wanders the forest so the smoke essentially poisoned the ground and 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 poisoned the people in the town like allowing it to be set ablaze yeah uh and so uh and that's when he and that's when (laughs) trebastian is trying to remember all of the words so i just kind of consolidate those like pages into one no you're good it's a short book honestly so and a lot of it is walking so there's um there's a lot being kind of glossed over here but that's it's a delight to read yeah um and it yeah uh, after two days in the forest, they are definitely lost. Mm-hmm. Definitely lost. <laughs> yes. And the armadillo keeps trying to like go ahead and smell things out and whatnot, but like because there's still armadillo by the yeah. ghouls. So yes, and the armadillo is quite aware that the ghouls are still after them, and part of it is because these are the only people in a reasonable distance. So the ghouls, of course, are still after all of her. They're hungry. They want to eat. And they're not strong enough to go after the town that he's from. But, you know, they've got to find somebody. Mary, what? Mary just, like, <laughs> doubled over with laughter. What is happening? <laughs> oh, my own notes sometimes. I can tell that I was, like, tired or, like, something. Because I wrote down... After two days in the forest, they were all definitely lost. T-Boy finds ruins. Yes. <laughs> T-Boy. <laughs> T-Boy. T-Boy. Maybe uh, not the best thing to call him, actually. Yeah. yeah. So Trebastian uh, and Oliver, they know that they're lost. Armadillo is trying to find uh, the way to the Rainblades as well. And so they want to find higher ground. 
and uh, they spot what looks like ruins a little further ways out. And so, on top of like a hill in yeah, the forest. Mm-hmm. And so they make their way there. The armadillo is trying to tell them, don't go there, like stay where you are. What are you doing? Because if they spotted ruins, I'm somebody else has spotted ruins as well. Yes. And uh, he ends up being right. And <laughs> um, I wrote down the armadillo. Uh, it says Drabashan and Oliver run against the armadillo's wishes. And armadillo is super pissed, but is like, okay, you guys do what you need to do. And I guess I'll save you later. Yeah, that's pretty much what he does. Because when they immediately, they realize that they've, fucked up they messed up Uh, they messed up big by going there because there is a band of freaking bandits there they're just they're camped out there because obviously they are it's a good vantage point well and the leader was you know obviously they're captured and the leader of this bandit group is talking to Oliver and is just like, oh, you ran away from your master, you know, didn't you, all this stuff. And um, I didn't highlight it, but he's, Oliver says something to himself like, okay, so not only was I forced to do this by adults, but now another adult won't believe me. Mm-hmm. And it was just such an interesting thought process of yeah. like, adults are making me do this, but another adult won't believe me about it. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. just really, inter- it was just an interesting thought. Yeah. And we, we get the, this is not a um, Captain Shakespeare. Oh, wait, no, you haven't read Stardust, have you? I've seen it. Oh, okay. This is not a Captain Shakespeare in Stardust representing pirates moment. No. These are actual bandits and they are not nice people. No. And uh, Oliver and the armadillo can communicate telepathically. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that they've ever done that. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was really funny that when the armadillo communicates to Oliver, he's speaking at a normal volume, like we would speak to each other. And then um, Oliver like screams at him. Oh, screams in his head. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. It's so, it's so funny. But the dialogue between the two of them is so just like crisp too. It it's really just is. and it's, it's such a perfect, wonderful relationship because it's how you and Ren speak to each other. <laughs> is that why it felt so familiar? <laughs> well, there's one part like in the very beginning where uh, they're walking and the armadillo hits him in the back of the head and is like, "Hey, dummy, it's hot. Drink some water." <laughs> She's listen. She is always fucking dehydrated i know she's, she needs to drink some fucking water she does she'll like she'll like look at me and she's like i don't know why i feel so bad i feel like kind of shaky and my head hurts when was the last time you had water i don't know like two days ago two days ago That's why you just gotta hit her in the back of the head and be like dummy it's hot drink some water <laughs> for real wait does that mean i'm her familiar i think so I think so. I'm keeping her alive. Yeah. You're out of danger. And you basically, I, yeah, you're friends familiar. Yeah. She does put off like some big protagonist energy, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they're trying to come up with a with an escape plan, and Mayor Stern, the quote unquote pillar of the community that mm-hmm. the uh, uh, harp that Trebastian made, has found the camp and wants uh, to work out some sort of deal for Trebastian. Yes. So unfortunately, the captain of this what would you call it? Like the captain of the bandits i guess yeah uh works out the bandit leader bandit leader okay uh makes out a deal and lets mayor stern take trebastian for some uh, like a decent chunk of money so a lot of money yes so the oliver and armadillo agree that they can't just leave Sebastian with the mayor like they know that the mayor will kill him yes so I loved this part the armadillo using the sense of smell I think right ends up finding the pigs from yes and leads them back to this camp right Mm -hmm. to where the bandits are Mm -hmm. so you should so much literally so he, he gets the so I don't know if you've ever been around a pig, but pigs are huge, actually. They're, they're not, huge. they're huge, like hundreds of pounds of animal. And I don't know what the breed of pig these are supposed to be, but if you consider that they are, you know, the same thing as a wild boar and wild boars can be the size of a small car. Like they are enormous creatures and they're very strong and they bite real hard and also they eat meat they're omnivores they'll eat anything so he effectively sticks these two pigs on the bandits and it causes just absolute chaos the pigs go to town on these people and it like immediately oliver knows that things have gone bad and runs like he runs but then bandits start chasing after him because they they think oh there's a wizard here he's the reason that this is happening which is smart honestly i think it's very clever but the the thing is the pigs kill the leader i don't know if they they trample him or gore him i don't know if they have tusks they might have tusks um boars have tusks don't they sometimes uh, sometimes i don't know if like like the breed of domesticated boar or um, yeah 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 they mean boar as in like male in this context but yeah like cow versus steer i got it all right yeah but yeah so the pigs attack attack of the pigs and that (laughs) honestly that terrifies me like I've I grew up in a fairly rural area again I grew up on an orchard and um there were people who had you know livestock mostly horses where I was but there were also people with cows and pigs and pigs are huge and honestly I don't want to be on the business end of one of them so no thank you that sounds like a horrible way to die um, so yeah, the uh, a couple of the bandits specifically run after Oliver, and it's the two he and the armadillo find a little like hiding spot under a log, and he uses his spell, this push me pull me spell, to so, like pull the log further onto himself to hide himself better. Mm-hmm. That whole scene was actually really cool because the way that she talks about the magic 
it's like he's having to use all of his strength to keep this one wooden part there because otherwise yeah. if it falls like he's exposed yeah and everybody's looking for him and this one guy even like in frustration like hits the the log log that he's in and he's like and you're just as a reader you're just like terrified that he's yeah. gonna get caught again oh yeah for sure but then eventually i think it's maybe screaming or something that that makes the bandits that were chasing after him turn back mm-hmm. um and we don't really learn more about what happened to the bandits but we get a good feeling that it does not go well for most of them uh, so after that night like oliver stays there for a little while but is immediately de- determined to go and help his friend he wants to help trebastian he knows that like nobody else is in a position to do it so it has to be him mm-hmm. and uh so they they don't really know where to go and so oliver uses his magic and tries to talk to the trees to be like you know where should we go and all of this stuff but in the corner of his eyes he sees like this red flicker Mm -hmm. and he has a feeling like a compulsion like he's like oh we should follow that red flicker and uh the red flicker ends up being uh the ghost of you know the farmer's wife from that song and Mm -hmm. she takes them to the mayor's camp and oh man, this was really rough because when they get there, the mayor is just beating the shit out of Trebastian. Poor I mean, kid. just roughing this kid up. And, he's and thinking, everybody's just sitting around like, yeah. this horrible, like the whole bystander syndrome thing. I understand. I understand that it exists and that a lot of people just don't want to get involved. And that's okay but i don't know if i could just be there and watch somebody get beaten like that and and she does say uh t T kingfisher writes that as the mayor is just beating the shit out of this kid that a lot of his followers the mayor's followers are like side-eyeing him and you know can tell that they're uncomfortable and so he kind of backs off of Trebastian a little bit and says yeah. something to the point of if all of these people weren't here I would just kill you where you yeah. stand yeah and so you can tell that he's his followers the mayor's followers are starting to kind of look at him differently you know like mm-hmm. if he could beat the shit out of this 16 year old kid maybe he did murder all of those little girls maybe he did maybe he did maybe he did seems a little bit of a coincidence so uh oliver's trying to hide and they're still trying to figure out how to get trebastian and how to leave but later that night uh bill one of the bandits uh finds oliver and Oliver starts running through the forest and specifically Bill is like the big one that was like guarding them and that they had an eye on the whole time. So he's like a very physically imposing person. Yeah, um, I would imagine kind of like a, um, like a, the rock kind of guy. Yeah. Like just he's, physically imposing. Mm-hmm. Like the Vin Diesel except i'm not imagining bill hot because i hate him so wait a minute i'm sorry we wait a minute do you think vin diesel's hot 
No. Well, okay. I've Cole. done worse. Cole. Oh, Cole. I've done my my older sister is like super into him. Um, I've done worse though. I really have. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's also a nerd, and I like I like more about personality than I like about body. So. He can do whatever he wants with his physical self. That is his body. I don't get to tell him what to do with it. Well, um, I have no idea. He's super into Dungeons and Dragons. Really? Yes. And wow. isn't that neat? Yes. Wow. I had no idea. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. So they, he starts running and Oliver runs up this tree and bill the bandit is coming after him so i thought this was amazing Mm -hmm. he starts using his shoestring spell and starts like tying anything that can tie together on his hair he like ties knots in his hair he starts with his shoestrings and then he moves up to like the tie on his shirt and then the hair specifically he has it tied like in front of his face Mm -hmm. and then like Bill keeps coming and goes up the tree and he's got a knife and is like, there's no question in Oliver's mind that he is going to kill him. Like he is, he is fixing to cut Oliver open. And um, yeah. So Oliver uses his magic to effectively push him out of the tree and onto the ground, which is quite a fall. Yeah. He ends up falling to his death. Yes. yes. And then Oliver is horrified at what he's done. Yeah, and he, I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting point in the book because he's like, you know, I want to I'm supposed to be a mage. I'm supposed to help people. I'm not supposed to, you know, kill, kill people. people. But he did it in self-defense, but even then he mm-hmm. had like a really hard time with himself. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it takes him it takes him a little while to come back down from the tree, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think partly because he didn't want to go near Bill. Yeah. That would be so scary. It would be very sad and very scary. Yeah. Uh, so Armadillo and Oliver ask the forest for help again with protecting them. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to find the ghouls and lure them to the mayor's camp. So they can mm-hmm. free Trevashan and and continue on their quest it is such a cool idea but it does not get practically instituted nearly as seamlessly as they had thought it was going to because the ghouls aren't quite as dumb as they were hoping so they were hoping to kind of um jacob's ladder them almost where that armadillo would run a little ways and then oliver would cut through and like lure them a little bit further this way but they have to take them quite a ways I think it's something like over a mile to get there. And so it's the armadillo, which is not cash money. I was so scared. It was one of, it was like a, does the die, does the dog die.com moment. I was like, did I, should I have done that with this? <laughs> does the armadillo die? Mm-hmm. He does. does it. He doesn't. I need you. He does not. He does not. Thank goodness. Otherwise he wouldn't be on the cover of this book. <laughs> so they they do end up going to the mayor's camp uh and i just wrote chaos happens <laughs> yes 
And the mayor actually throws one of his own men to the ghoul to save himself. And yeah. the rest of his men see that and they start turning on him. Yeah. So Oliver had effectively intervened and got the ghouls back off of the armadillo mm-hmm. and ran them like literally runs into the camp just yelling ghoul off of the top of his head <laughs> and can you imagine like you're in a camp and then a kid goes running through and yells tiger and there's a tiger after him that's the this is the fantasy version of that it was it's, really, like it was so funny i like cackled when i read it yeah and then the ghouls immediately just start eating people is what happens like he goes over to trebastian and there's a moment where he's like he looks up and he sees like a person getting murdered by a ghoul and then realizes what he's done Mm -hmm. um as he's like trying to get his friend up off of the ground to leave Uh, so i think that there's there's a lot of like emotionally complex things going on there and it's really, it's really intriguing, especially considering how short this book is. I think there's a lot going. Oh, yeah. There's a lot that we haven't talked about, too. Yeah. So for a novella, it it certainly packs quite a wallop. It does. Yeah. It very much does. So let's see here. So they end up uh, getting away from the camp and uh, they find themselves in the forest again um and they find themselves in front of the farmer's wife and Mm -hmm. oliver explains that no i think we need to follow her and see you know what she needs from us kind of a thing yeah and she leads them to her body and uh somebody i can't remember if it's trebastian or if it's oliver but they note that the leg on the skeleton is broken and that, it's trebastian oh is it trebastian yeah um that it's broken and and that's why she never came out of the forest yeah i mean again i have i've rolled my ankle i've stubbed a toe like you so many things can happen to you that aren't you know a ghoul like a very mundane thing can happen and you could have your leg broken and be stuck in the forest and then your stupid husband burns it down and ruins the fields for everyone Mm -hmm. um but then the boys are so perfect and precious and they decide to like bury her effectively yeah put her to it's so sweet do you remember what they used as a headstone i can't remember it was really Mm. cute I don't remember what they used as a headstone, but Trebastian laid like his coat over her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then like they kind of had like a little mini funeral, mm-hmm. and then she was gone. Like yeah. the ghost was gone, and it was that was it. That was all she needed. That's all she wanted. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. It was a really it was a it was a cool way to kind of end her story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i i also love that i i love that there was closure to it it wasn't just like oh there's a ghost lady in the woods thanks for your help bye that's what i mean like there was there was yeah closure to it because a lot of times you know there's like a woman in white and a woman in red and a woman in black and like nobody takes the time to like see if she needs something yeah exactly cool yeah I, I think that's a really good way to put that that's there, nobody takes the time to see if she needs something Mm-hmm. you should be a, a ghost guide 
That'd be so cool. Well, anyway. Yeah, you'd be so uh, good at it. <laughs> uh, let's see. So everybody continues on and they finally find the cloud shepherds. Uh, yes. So like the thing that cool. kills, this is cool. But the thing that kills me is that when they're walking, they're like, okay, we've made it out of the forest. Finally. Thank God. Uh, we don't know how to get up the mountains so we're just gonna keep kind of like going up the hills and looking for civilization i guess Mm -hmm. but then the armadillo's like look for sheep i'm pretty sure i saw some sheep poop over there yeah and sheep (laughs) mean people so let's look for sheep (laughs) that was so cool and then uh so they end up finding a cloud shepherd and Mm -hmm. the they realize that the sheep are clouds they're just and the sh- in the shape or they're clouds in the shape of sheep exactly and they kind of like undulate and like like swoop in on themselves like their legs just kind of come out of their amorphous like sheep form yeah. the, the farmer too also has like these lightning blue tattoos all over him mm-hmm. um and like he's a little bit like standoffish at first but in kind of like a playful way like the the fuck do these kids want from me like why are they coming up on my sheep what are they doing so oliver explains that he needs rain for his town and the shepherd takes them to go see the rain mother she is a mage uh, herself and she has spiders as her familiar and mm-hmm. it's really interesting because the way that it's written is it's it's like the spiders stay behind her and make expressions behind her. It's like uh, if you've seen colony spiders come together, like in shapes, it it's like that. Like they're coming together and like making a face effectively. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes they smile and sometimes they frown. And like at one point, like the eyebrow goes up or something, but it's, it's interesting because the spiders act as like a a single unit but there's you know thousands of them did you just look at your shoulder to see if there was a spider there (laughs) we don't need to (laughs) (laughs) yes it was kind of hairy i thought it was a spider uh so they get to their brain mother and uh the rain mother is is speaking with oliver and oliver says something about you know the the village people the people in in my town made me do this and the, the rain mother says yes that is the price your village paid you will never love them with your whole heart again the shadow of what they did and their fear will lie between you forever but they will be alive nonetheless and learning to bridge that shadow or decide not to is the work of adulthood Mm -hmm. boy isn't that true (laughs) boy isn't that true but i mean you get the feeling that the people up here the the rain bearers are um there's something a little bit more than human you know they're like they're just at the edges like they could be some sort of mythological people you get the feeling that they all have magic instead of just like a little bit they felt ethereal to me yes it almost reminds me of like you know um stories of 
people coming across elven villages or something like that or what have you but she is the most powerful of them and she tells oliver that yeah rain can happen but it's gonna come at a price and that price is your magic yeah uh yeah so she she does you're right so she asks for a price in exchange for the rain Mm-hmm. And uh, not money. She wants Oliver's magic. And he, thinking about it, he doesn't want to give it up. He's very much like, I want to be able to help people. And it's specifically that. He, he, want, he thinks about all of the good he can do with his magic other than this one thing. You know, it's, he thinks about all of the um, infestations of little, uh, what, was, what was living in that one guy's mill? Oh, no like knackers or something yeah he had an infestation of them or there was bad ground that was making uh somebody's potatoes like vicious or what Mm -hmm. have you and so he's thinking about all of these things that he's done that seem small to him in the beginning but now seem significant to him or you know helping to heal somebody um using herbs uh, like and and some alchemy um, after a kid had fallen into like some poison ivy, and so he thinks about these things and goes, "I can't give all of that up for this one thing," you know. Yeah. Um, but then Tribastian goes, "But I will take this deal." Because he doesn't want his magic in the first place. All it's done is hurt him. And he's still not, like, physically okay. He has been viciously beaten. And yeah, he's he's had a little bit of rest and repri- reprieve, but he's exhausted and emotionally even more so. Yeah. This, poor, this poor kid does not deserve his fate, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the rain mother uh, accepts it. And mm-hmm. she has the spiders essentially like draw it out of him. And how it was written was was really neat. Mm-hmm. And how like they take his magic and they form a web. And it ha- it has like an old language that they it's like a spider language that they don't know mm-hmm. what it says or how to read it. Yeah, so that was neat. It's really cool. It's absolutely cool. And she doesn't know how to read it either, mm-hmm. which is, I, I also think very cool. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also like, there's this, there's this thing that he says um, when he and Oliver kind of meet up and start traveling together, that there is a certain type of woman who will always want to make sure that he's fed and that's his plan after he's left this last town he's trying to go find another town and to just like be like safe and whole in and this the rain mother has immediately become that woman who wants to make sure he's fed you know she's she's pretty much adopted him on the spot which i love i love love that i love that it's not oliver that Trebastian's fate is necess- is like permanently tied to it's this other place and I think that there could have been too much of like a white savior thing going on with him because Sebastian is he's black and I think having this white kid come in and be like oh no you can come live with my family and stuff I think that would be 
bad. I think yeah. that would have been, that would have been a bad choice, I think. And I'm really yeah. glad that T. Kingfisher was way smarter than that and was like, no, he gets to live with the mountain people who have magic sheep and be happy and like well taken care of. So, yeah. yeah. So he agrees to stay and uh, the raid mother makes a joke about fattening him up and everything. And I just, like you said, I just yes. I love that so much. I love it. I love it. I love so it. The rain mother puts rain milk over their closed eyes. And when they open, they can see more of like the sheeps and they're, you know, very wispy and uh, she, he can it's almost like the rain milk unclouded his eyes for a minute and so he's That's able a smart to, way to put that to to see to see these clouds oh i didn't even realize <laughs> i put in a pun, a pun <laughs> but he also like it seems to clarify some of his his other kind of misgivings as well mm-hmm. like oh how is this actually going to happen it's magic that's how it's going to happen mm-hmm. but one of the things that she specifically says is that this isn't He's not getting to keep the sheep for this. There's no, there's no price for that. There's absolutely no way that that would happen. It's this one quote unquote harvest of rain that they get to have, which is, I think, really cool. It's like, you can't buy the sheep, but you can buy the wool. You bought the wool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, he, he needs to ride a large, ram that looks like a lightning storm like a thunder and yeah. storm and he has to wrangle like a harness on it and this part was so funny to me it was so funny it was very slapstick yeah because the ram didn't yeah. want a part of it no no because if the the shepherd's like here's a rope and and he asks what's significant about the rope and the shepherd's like it's a rope it's just a rope you put a rope on it yeah that's just what it is kid. <laughs> uh eventually all uh oliver gets him wrangled and uh gets on top of him and the ram is kind of like the leader and so he goes first and all of these sheep clouds follow him and, and so- they literally fly through the sky yes. which is great like I was I was thinking, you know, does he have to walk them all back there? No, of course not. These are magic cloud sheep. They can fly. And it's perfect. <laughs> and literally the ram's just like, which way to go? <laughs> you know, and he leads him there. He's got the armadillo on his shoulder and mm-hmm. goes back to his town. Yeah, so he goes back to his town and he sees uh, a farmer there. And the farmer's like, did you just get, did you just get off of a, a, a cloud like what is happening here <laughs> and uh it starts to rain and so everybody kind of you know starts to celebrate and the farmer tells oliver that his mother is home and begins he also says something else but that's all oliver cared about yeah. so he starts booking it home and when as soon as he opens the door he says hello mother and his mother is sitting there sharpening her tool uh sharpening her sword and getting ready to go into battle to go after him yeah i love that like she gets home immediately figures out what's happened and is like oh hell no i'm gonna go get my baby and so she's like getting ready to leave 
So yeah, it's good. I mean, and that's where the book ends. Like that's yep. it. Yep. it. It was, it's short, it's sweet. It took me like just a little while to read it. And the whole time it was a joy. Yeah, it was yeah. I, both. So we covered last week and the week before we covered a wizard's guide to defensive baking. And in that book and in this one, it talks about kids being put through adult situations. Mm -hmm. And I I like how in both of these, uh, like the the kids have to step up, you know, and and it's noted that it's not fair and it's not right. Yeah, but they do it anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting to me. And I think that, I mean, it's, it's a fact that in, in many people's lives, when they're a child, they have to be in that adult situation, you know, Mm -hmm. they have to take on the responsibility of doing something. And that can take so many forms. And with these books, that form is magic. And that is really interesting. Like, I feel like more so minor mage than a wizard's guide, if I had read that when I was, you know, 12 to 14, it would have had a big impact on me. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Like a wizard's guide would have too, but I feel like I, I was really drawn to Oliver in a way that I wasn't as drawn to Mona. Okay. I can see that. Personally. That's, that's just me. I like, I like a story about a journey. I also really, and that, that was part of it for me. So like, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I think out of uh, one to five, I would give this one a four. I'd give this one a four as well. Um, I think it's really good. I think that there were some things about it that just felt a little bit more unfinished to me than yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that I get why that happened because it's not meant to be a novel. It is definitely a novella. Like, I think it was like, I think... I think it was actually a short story that got too big for its britches. <laughs> it's I, that, actually, it makes, that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. And there were, and there were some parts of it that like made me feel kind of gross. Like the pigs. Yeah. The, I don't want to get eaten by pigs. That, that unlocked a new fear for me. So I don't know if I could give more... Uh, of a kind rating for a, a book that does that. <laughs> <laughs> does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. Okay. All right. I'm so, I'm so excited for our next one. I've been waiting to talk to you about it for so long. Our next book, we are talking about Space Opera by Catherine oh, Valenti. Oh this book was, that book is hilarious. And I, I it is so funny. Yeah. And I, I, I am that you recommended the audiobook because it definitely added a lot more flavor. You like? Yeah. I, the first time I read it, we'll talk, I... We'll, we'll talk about it more next time. Oh, sorry. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I, I swear, like, every other conversation we've had since we've talked about reading it, I've brought it up, and I'm very sorry to be that person. Oh, you're, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it, too. That's great. Uh, but we'll have that ready. We'll have that starting next week. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. And thank you for joining us on our conversation about Minor Mage by T. Kingfisher. Of course, send all of your love to the author. She is incredible. And honestly, buy her books. Like yeah. if you if you have it, like if it's available to you and you have access and all of that jazz, obviously. Um, but support her, however, it is best for you. 
And if you can, please rate and review us on iTunes and anywhere else or Apple or Spotify or wherever else you can. All the places. Uh, and we have, uh, if you have any suggestions that you or book topics that you'd like for us to cover, we're going to have many episodes out uh, probably later that, at some point in this month. And um, so if you want to pick Cole's brain about anything book related, let us or know. Or pick Mary's brain about anything medically related. <laughs> Both of them are great. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh please get in contact with us we have our website www.howtobakeabook.com and we're on all the social medias except for twitter because fuck that because and, fuck that yeah so thank <laughs> yeah. you all for listening and thanks for reading happy reading H- happy reading yeah happy reading is what we say isn't it yeah. <laughs> it's okay all right bye guys bye. to the author uh of course without books this podcast wouldn't exist Mm -hmm. i would be very sad i would be a husk of a human yes yes please support authors the best way you can there's Mm -hmm. a million places to go shop for book Mm -hmm. one place is bookshop.org you can go on our website howtobakeabookpod.com if you click the bookshop.org you can find all kinds of really awesome books there of Mm -hmm. course there's audible and Amazon and your local indie shops. Yes, and please shop indie. Please shop indie. Please shop we indie. Love Keep indie. them open. Keep them open. Keep them open. Keep them open. <laughs> also, a special thanks to Tracy Randall for making all of our incredible digital art. Yes, and she's got even more up her sleeve, I'm sure, for us. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and then, uh, and she has social media. Please check her out. And of course, thank you to you guys for yes. listening to us. Thank, thank you, you so for much. being here on our little book journey. Bye. Bye.